0: Well, welcome to Cape Christian. How are you guys doing this evening? So glad, so glad to have you guys here. Happy Thanksgiving and all those good things. And I'm sure, like, if this is your first time here, you're like, what in the world kind of church is this? Um, I don't know what's going on. Y'all are playing Journey songs, and this isn't making any type of sense. And, you know, like, I, I'm with you. You know, I don't know how many, I'm sure a lot of you guys are Journey fans, um, I'm not one. Um, When they obviously when they were planning the series, they didn't include their diversity higher in the planning meeting. Um, I only knew the song I'm teaching on this week. You know, I thought it would have been a lot better if we did like since we're doing Journey through the Old Testament. My pitch was so we can even things out that maybe we do like Tupac through the New Testament. you know, you know, hey, dear mama for when Mary had the baby, you know, California love for Sodom and Gomorrah. Like, there's a, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of things we can do in that. But hey, we're just uh, super excited for you guys to be here. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Brandon Holmes, and I'm one of the pastors here at Cape Christian. I'm excited to continue today's service. And so, hey, just bear with me a little bit. I just kind of got over a fever, so if my voice is a little <coughs> scratchy, that's the reason why. But I'm super excited to be here as we continue through this journey through the Old Testament. Now, I know, you know, the Bible kind of has this um, reputation of being kind of boring, right? You know, like you open it and you're like, this doesn't really make sense. Um, if you feel that way, we're not reading the same Bible. The Bible is actually pretty entertaining. Um, you know it's, it's actually like a Netflix show when you really watch it. There's a lot of nonsense that kind of happens, and so we've been kind of going through this journey together. We started in week one, and we started in the garden, you know, that's with Adam and Eve and Eve made the decision. Um, you know, that has just you know, I understand now why no woman wants to make a decision on what to eat, um, because the last time she did, she ruined all of mankind. so um, Um, Ladies, I don't blame you on that. Um, And then shortly after the garden, we got to this part where, you know, we were in Egypt and the children of Israel were held in captivity and slavery. And um, we're going to jump over that for obvious reasons. And so then after we went from that, they went to Mount Sinai. And then so now I get the amazing privilege of talking about what happened then when they got from Mount Sinai all the way to Jerusalem. Now, just forewarning, um, we skip about like five to six books of the Bible to where I'm at, um, and that's okay. Um, but if you don't even know everything that happened beforehand, you can always go back onto our onto our app and to uh, YouTube as well to catch up. But here's what's happening when uh, the children of Israel gets get to Jerusalem, right? So, um they've, they've kind of gone through some things. They've gone, you know, we had the garden, then they get uh, put uh, into Egypt, and then they go to Sinai where they get, you know, their identity and all these things. And then God warns them. <clears throat> well, God doesn't warn them. He tells them, like, hey, you're going to enter into this land that I'm gifting you. And when you enter into this land, like, you're going to get some blessings and some great things that are going to happen your way. And, and it's going to be not just for you, but so that you can be a blessing to other people. And so what happens is, is when they get to the promised land, the children of Israel, they inherit wealth, they, they inherit influence, they gain power, and they use those things to be a blessing to others. But after a time, they actually began to get comfortable with some of these things, and so they lost sight of the morals and the values that they were instructed to have by God. So what happened was before they even entered into this space, uh, Moses, do you guys remember Moses, the guy that splits the Red Sea? You know that movie that comes on right before Easter every year called The Ten Commandments? That guy. Um, oh, man, dead crowd today. That's okay. That's my Must be Ohio State fans in the audience. Um, so um, anyway, so be- before they were getting ready to go there, God warned them. Like he sent Moses to warn his people Hey, he tells them, you're going to get some great things. But here's where I want to warn you. So the whole book of Deuteronomy is essentially Moses' like last speech to the children of Israel before they walk into their promised land. And so I want to pick up right here in Deuteronomy chapter 17, verses 16 to 20. It says this, The king, moreover, must not acquire great numbers of horses for himself or make the people return to Egypt to get more of them. For the Lord has told you, you are not to go back that way again. He must not take many wives or his heart will be led astray. <clears throat> he must not accumulate large amounts of silver and gold. When he takes the throne of his kingdom, he is to write him for himself on a scroll a copy of this law taken from the Levitical priests. It is to be with him, and he is to read it all the days of his life so that he may learn to revere the Lord his God and follow carefully all the words of this law and these decrees and not consider himself better than his fellow Israelites and turn from the law to the right or to the left, then he and his descendants will reign a long time over this kingdom in Israel. Pretty much what God is, what Moses is, what God is using Moses to communicate is you're going to inherit some stuff. I'm going to bless you with some stuff. But you have to have the proper character to maintain it and to do what I've called you to do. And so what we have to understand, right, because the Bible is not just like the storybook. It's also metaphorical so we can look into it so we can make it relate to us that God gives us instruction. Is that because, yes, we're a child of God, that God wants to take care of us, right? Right. He's like any other parent. He wants his children to be loved, to be cared for, to be blessed. But the problem we normally face as the body is we assume that when God does these things, that it's simply just for us to enjoy, which leads us to this family either to not caring about others or begin to leverage our blessings to create systems or, or opportunities that places us above others. And truthfully, that's just not the king's way. Now, if you ever heard me communicate before, you know, I like to say there's three ways you can live. There's culture's way, there's church's way, and then there's the king's way. So culture's way is just how culture does it, and, you know, and it's quite not working out for them. And then uh, church's way doesn't necessarily mean it's the right way because, I mean, we all have been in some jacked up churches before, right? Um, and then there's the king's way, which is the ultimate way of what we, how we're supposed to live. And so the king's way is the right way. And so what happened in Jerusalem is they started off living the king's way way, and everything's fine, and everything's great, but then they slowly begin to get off course and shift it into the opposite direction, and so what happens when they shift it in the opposite direction, the habits that they were once carrying begin to turn as well, and so what they begin to do when they begin to shift is they begin to see themselves as God's favorites instead of favored by God, so which leads to my first point today is favor doesn't equal favoritism. So I'm going to use this word favor a lot today. And I know if you grew up in church circles, we use the word favor a lot. And so as we were, as we were, uh, as our team was kind of coming together with this meeting, uh, Pastor Cindy, I can't take the credit for this. Pastor Cindy was like, why don't we actually look up the definition of favor? And so favor has, I'm going to give you two definitions. The noun definition of favor is approval, support, or liking for someone or something. So the the noun definition, approval, support, or liking for someone or something. And then the verb definition of favor is an act of kindness beyond what is due or usual. So favor, God is the noun version. The approval or the support or liking for someone or something, that's God. The action should be us in favor, an act of kindness beyond what is due or usual, going above and beyond. Now, Favoritism, the practice of giving unfair preferential treatment to one person or group at the expense of another. See the difference? And so a lot of times, we feel like when God's doing stuff for us, we begin to feel like we're God's favorites and not understanding that we're just favored. Because we, what we have to understand as families, just because God is doing it for you doesn't mean it's exclusive to you. See, God's very clear about what we're supposed to do with favor. You know, let me touch your body. You know, God's like, hey, I'm gonna bless you and then you just keep it to yourself, right? Y'all don't know your Bible, that's wrong. That's not what he says. God actually instructs us Over and over, all throughout the Bible, when you're blessed, that you're blessed to be a blessing. You're blessed to give. Matthew 25, 40 talks about taking care of the least of these. And so what happens is, once we begin to inherit blessings, just like the children of Israel does, we begin to feel like we are favorites. And what favoritism really does, it, it makes us feel like we are more deserving than our fellow brethren, whereas being favored is understanding that none of this actually belongs to me. And so when you walk in the heart posture of favor, you go from what can I do with this to what does God want me to do with this? So favor, hear me, family, favor is a it's a heart posture. It's a heart posture. And so we have to challenge ourselves to consistently submit to that posture of walking around with open hands instead of closed fist. Because God doesn't give so we can keep, but God gives so we can give as well. This every time I preach, I never get like fun, encouraging messages. I just feel like I'm correcting all the time. Here's the truth. Now the children of Israel, now before they got there, here's what's intriguing about them. You know, before they get all the favor, they're they're like a broken people, right? They're very like, oh man. God save me, this is terrible, we're enslaved. And so God goes along the way and he does that and he, and he frees them and he goes to Sinai and then they go on the journey and God pours into them and God begins to show his favor and as God begins to show his favor on them, it, it begins to transform them and as they begin to get transformed and they begin to inherit all these things, they begin to do great things for not just themselves but all the people around them, which begins to show me this is like, what my favor doesn't like, we said the first part. Favor doesn't equal favoritism, but when you really have the heart posture of favor, favor is also transformational. You can't stay the same if you're truly walking in the posture of favor. Ephesians chapter two verses eight through ten says this: God saved you by His grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the things he planned for us long ago. So, newsflash, nothing we get is for us. Nothing we get is for us. Matter of fact, when you say yes to Jesus, you say yes to the responsibility that I'm blessed to become a blessing. When you say yes to Jesus, you begin to say yes to living my life of saying, how can I use what God has given me or what God has poured into my life to make sure that I advance the kingdom throughout this earth? And the problem is with most of us believers is we begin to tether off as the longer we follow Jesus. You remember when you, like, first fell in love with Jesus? You volunteered at everything you loved everybody. Somebody could have cut you off. You're like, God bless you. God bless you. One of your friends was late on their bills. You was like, I got you. Let me let me help you. When 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 you first when you first said yes to Jesus and you prayed and he gave you the car. Or, or he gave you the promotion, or or he gave you the house, but but lo and behold, like the longer we kind of stay in this thing, and the more we get comfortable and the, and the less we act favored the more like favorites it'd be like, man, they always asking us to donate to this missionary in, the hood, in Haiti. How many missionaries you got in Haiti? <laughs> Sorry, Clarence, we love Haiti. that was <laughs> just, just an example but the longer you go about the more, uh, they, this church always asking me to, to sign up for something. I always got to volunteer. Uh, you, see, the problem is the longer you do this, and if you don't keep the heart posture right, the, the further you get away from favor. And the truth about God is this, this is why God is amazing, because God doesn't force you to do anything, God would allow you to settle on whatever level you want to live on. So a lot of us aren't experiencing some of the things that we want to live or the way we want to live because we're settling on a level that God's allowing you to settle with. And so maybe this this is a thought-provoking question. Maybe it isn't that God's favor isn't on you, but maybe it's he's challenging you to go to the next level. So some of us in our lives have been feeling like it's been stagnant, and you're watching God do things for other people, and you're actually getting frustrated by God because you feel like he should be doing it for you. And maybe God's just challenging you, saying, what you did in the old season isn't enough for this new season. And so what happens is, instead of favor being uh, transformational, we expect it to be transactional. I pray, I tithe, I serve, you should do this for me. And that is not how this thing works. That's not how this thing works. It should be a consistent transformation of you from the inside. Like, favor should always be working on your heart. Your your disposition should always be being transformed. It's, It's something that's constantly being worked on. Because hear my heart, family, because favor isn't just a season either. It's a lifestyle. Now, it's easy during Christmas and Thanksgiving time. We're all going to serve at the soup kitchen. We're going to do the canned food drive. We're going to do the angel tree. We're going to do all these things. But my question is, when this season is over, do you still do the same things that you're doing right now? Because here's the other truth about favor, family. It does not come without a sacrifice. It, it doesn't. Newsflash. It's never easy. You, you want to keep walking in God's favor, you're going to have to let go of some things. You want to you keep walking in God's favor, he's going to be like, all right, cool. Yeah, that raise you got, give that back to me. Oh, you, whoa, wait a minute. What you mean, God. What, what, you, what you mean? You, you, want? No, 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 no. You, you want to be in my favor? Then give me the thing that you, that, that you hold so precious. You, you want to walk in my favor? Leave that job that, that you have tenured at, and I want you to go here. You, you want to have favor for me? Yeah, yeah, y- y- your sister that you don't like, I want you to take care of her and her kids while she's going through this tough time. See, favor is transformational. It should do something in you. And it shouldn't just do something in you. It should be a blessing to those around you. And that's where the children of Israel got off course. They began to feel like they were God's favorites, which meant that they were entitled to some things that nobody else should receive the blessing from. And too many of us as believers walk around in our life feeling like just because we said yes to God and that he blessed us with a little money or he blessed us with a house or he blessed us with a car or he blessed us with a little status or he blessed us with a little power, that means we're better than other people. News flash, God didn't give you any of that for you. He actually gave it to you so you can impact his kingdom. And the problem is too many of us have put our identity in that and not in Christ. And so I'm not saying any of these things are bad. I'm not. I'm not. But my question is, are you asking, are you walking through life asking, what am I going to do with this? Or God, what do you want me to do with this? What do you want me to do with this? When's the last time you've actually sat with God and you said, God, this is what you've blessed me with. What do you want me to do with this? Family, we got to get to that point where that's just default thinking, and I'm preaching to the choir because that's not really easy for me to ask Jesus. It's not. You know, I I, I remember as I was um this about uh, last year, uh, this past July. You know, me and my wife, we, we have been, you know, we've been saving and we've been doing some things and, 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 and a financial blessing came through and I've shared this story before and Jesus was like, that's so nice. Give it all back to the building. And I was like, you crazy. And The guy was like, yeah, but, but serving me comes with a sacrifice, son. You want my favor, this, this is what you gotta let. And some of us have pain points in our life and you keep wondering why you keep getting pressure on it, because God wants to see is He more important than that? You can say you love God more than money till He till He asks you to give you that, give Him that money back. Oh, I, I, I value my relationship with you know with, with God and my, and my family. Okay, well, give me that. When God starts asking you for stuff, how reluctant are you to give it back? If God's asking you for your time, are you like? Hold on, God, or is that the first thing you do? If God's asking you for your your family, are you making sure that y'all are spending time in the Word together, that y'all making church a priority, that y'all making understanding and reading His Word a priority? See, God is pushing us all in something. And my question is, are we willingly giving it up or are we holding tight to it? Because the children of Israel, when they got comfortable, they held on to it. But true favor is going, none of this belongs to me, so whatever you want, you can have. I'll give it to you. It's a sacrifice. It's not easy. Doing the right thing is not always easy. Fancy that. But it's so worth it. And so, I know a lot of us are probably sitting here, and you're probably like, yeah, that sounds all good. But I, I don't even feel like I have God's favor. I I don't, even feel like, I don't even feel like he really cares about me. Or maybe you feel like it's too late. Maybe you feel like you've missed your window of opportunity. Maybe you feel like, man, why would he ever love somebody like me? And I'm here to tell you is that what you need to understand is that God's favor is for everyone. God's favor is for it's for everyone. So point one was favor doesn't equal favoritism. Point two is favoritism equals int- uh, favoritism is, trans- uh, fa- ah, excuse me, Woo. favor is transformational. And point three is favor is for everyone. It's for everyone. And this is where we have to do a better job as the church. Because we have been kind of communicating that no one else is deserving of what God has for us. We we say we're for everyone. We say we we, we want to win as many people to Jesus, but we create barriers and we create systems and we put things in place that don't make people feel like they're a part of what we have. And the truth of the matter is that that makes me really sad. We we see it with the children of Israel in Jerusalem. They do everything to other people that was done to them. When they were in Egypt, what? They were enslaved. They were mistreated. They were oppressed. All those things happened. And the moment things got good, they became exactly what was done to them. And we got to be honest, family. We do the same things. We do the same thing. Because somebody doesn't believe like you believe, that's that's cause for them not to understand God's favor is for them. Like you remember what it was like when you walked through the doors of the church for the first time and your complete mess and your complete brokenness and your complete hurt and your complete pain, feeling like every person that was looking at you was judging you that they could see the mess that you came in with. Why would you ever want somebody to ever feel like that? Why would you ever want somebody in your day-to-day life to feel like they're not loved, that they're not seen, that they're not cared for, that they're not supported? Why? We can do all the things we want on Saturdays and Sundays, but if we can't carry this Monday through Friday, why does it matter? Why even sign up and do this? Because our mission has to be that everyone needs to know that God's favor is for them. Even if that means we give up some of the things that we could have. That I give up a little bit of me being comfortable so someone else can experience his glory. So, hey, maybe I don't get to take three vacations this year, but I'm going to use some of that money to give back to the poor. Maybe my family doesn't take that extra trip to the lake house, but instead we're going to bless another family that might never, ever get this opportunity. You know, maybe this family can't afford my services, but you know what? Out of the goodness of my heart, I'm going to do my services for them for free. That's... What walking in God's favor is like. That's favor for everybody. And family, we have to do better at that. We can't expect a president to do it for us. We can't expect Congress to do it for us. We can't expect anybody to do the Lord's work besides us, and that's the Lord's children. And I'm really passionate about this. I really am, because God's allowed me to see both sides of the coin. I know what it's like to feel like you're overlooked. I know what it's like to feel like you're just not quite enough. I know what it's like to feel like you might not ever be good enough. I know what it feels like when you feel like you've kind of been stepped on a little bit, and you just got to take it on the chin. But then I also know what it's like to have a little influence to make a, one decision could change somebody's life. I also know what it's like to be able to just go to my bank account and take out a substantial amount of money and just give it to somebody and say, I don't need this ever again. That's yours. I also know what it's like to stand alongside somebody as they navigate the ebbs and flows of life and just being right beside them and saying, you know, God still loves you. God still cares. I know what it's like to lay down my preferences and say, all right, God, if this is what you want from me, then I'm going to say yes to it. Philippians 4, 11 through 13 says, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. And I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And that is the heart posture of favor being for everyone. Whether I have a lot, whether I have a little, it's all yours. I'm content with it all. And, family, I feel like a lot of us will probably feel a lot better about where we're at in life if we stop trying to be favorites and understand that God's already provided his favor. We're we're striving to be favorites. Give me more so you can prove that I'm your favorite when all he's really is like, you're already favored. Use what I have given you. Be content in the season that you're in because where you're at is where you need to be. I'm not saying you might not go further down along, but what if this is it? That's a question I've been asking myself a lot lately. What if this is it? What, what if I never go beyond this? What if this is it? And I finally had to tell, after a year and a half battle with God, I finally got to the point of saying, this is good enough. This is amazing. And that this is all you've done, I'm going to live the rest of my days going, okay, how are we going to use this to impact the kingdom? How am I going to leverage my influence? How am I going to leverage whatever little power I feel like I have? How am I going to leverage my finances to advance the key? How am I going to leverage? How am I not going to get so caught up on trying to be your favorite that I already understand that I am favored and truly knowing that the heart posture of a favor, of being walking in God's favor, is just being a good steward? It's being a good steward of what I have and understanding that God's heart It's never for anybody to be excluded from his love, but for everybody to be welcomed in. And part of my job, part of my job when I said yes to him was to make sure that I communicated his heart and his message to his people, whatever that may look like. Family, I'm not the type of communicator that's always going to make following Jesus sound like it's, it's the best thing in the world. I mean, it is, but it, it, I shouldn't say it isn't the best thing in the world. It's just hard. Y'all feel me? It's, it's hard. It's, I think that's, that's the purpose where it's like there's a dying to yourself. And there's a dying to your flesh. Because we all selfish. We all want what we want. We all... Have dreams and goals and ideas of what we thought our life was gonna look like. We all have an idea of what we want to do with the things that we have. We all have an idea of how tomorrow's supposed to go and how next week's supposed to go and how three years are supposed to go and how 10 years are supposed to go. And I just have this this unction right now that in this room, there's a a few of us in here that are quite frustrated with God and feel like we don't have any favor because our life doesn't look like how we thought it was supposed to look like. Dare I challenge you to say, maybe it's not that you're not walking in God's favor. Maybe it's your perspective is off maybe you've lost sight of the Father because God doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't make mistakes. And so that's why I've been harping on favor as a heart posture. It's where your heart is because God could take everything away from me now. My heart remains the same. He's still good. He's still faithful, and he still loves me. And whatever he decides to trust me with, I want to steward well. I want to steward well. I want to be, I want to be the type of believer that just consistently is looking to be a blessing to others. I never want the blessings to change me. In the worst way, but in the best way. And guys, it's not always material things. Because in this season for me, it's it's not even about that. God's blessed me in such a unique way. He's given me more peace than I've ever had. And because I have more peace, I'm now able to kind of stand in the gap for some people that He's been able to place on my heart because I'm not dealing with stuff I no longer have to deal with. He's given me more joy. And sometimes, you know, most people are like, well, how is that a gift? How is that favor? Well, it's a a great favor because there's a lot of people going through some hard stuff that I get to just kind of come in and just love on them because I have joy to give. I have peace to give. I have wisdom to give. I have understanding to give. See, I think too many times we get caught up believing favor has to be tangible. But that's not always true. And so sometimes we discredit ourselves because we might not have a ton of tangible things. But God's giving you so much more to work with. Sometimes that person don't need the extra $100. They just need a shoulder to cry on. And God's giving you this favor of kindness and nurturing. That's my wife. Like, my wife's amazing. She's such a nurturer. I was just telling her, I was like, man, that's like where God's really favored you. You just like have this heart of just understanding. And if y'all know me, like I'm bat crazy. Thank you, Savannah. But my wife, in all her favor, is always peace. Let's talk about this. Help me understand. That's, that's, that's God's favor on her. So I need us to kind of see it that way because church has conditioned us to believe that favor is always tangible and monetary, but it's not. Favor is the the gifts and the talents that God has placed inside of you that he's uniquely wired you to have so that you can consistently use that to impact the kingdom in multiple ways. And so my encouragement today is to start walking in that favor. How, how, one, can you t- take it from, God, what are you going to do for me, to, God, what are you calling me to do for other people? And two, I encourage you to take some unique time and go, what has God given me in abundance in this season that I could be stewarding better? Where can I stop acting like Jerusalem and ho- hoarding it all for myself? Where, where can I stop being selfish? Because there's somebody that's been where you came from that needs what you have. And God has not called us to hoard it all for ourselves, but he's given it to us so that we can impact others around us. And so in this next moment, if you allow me to, as we wrap up, I just want to pray for, pray for us. There's a group of us who I feel like You've been just trying to find God's favor. And, and if that's you, I, I would le- definitely love to pray for you today. That God will give you unique wisdom and discernment on where there's an abundance of favor in your life. But two, there's a group of people I want to pray for today. That maybe you've just kind of been doing this Jesus thing. Or you haven't been and you're trying to figure it out and you're like, I'm willing to give it a try. I want to pray for you as well. So with every head, bowed and eye closed, just respect their privacy. If that's you, you don't have to do anything crazy. I just want to know who I'm praying for. If you don't mind, just raising your hand really quickly so I know who I'm praying for. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So God, I just thank you. I thank you that you're an amazing God, that you're a God that loves us incredibly, that you're a God that you don't play favorites, that we're all highly favored. And so I pray that our heart posture shifts to those that walk in that. And Father, I pray for all our people tonight, Lord, that have been desperately seeking for something, and that tonight was the night that they found you, that they walked through these doors feeling hopeless, but they can walk out feeling hopeful. So God, we thank you for all that you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.